0: Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Latest Shiny Podcast. This is uh, your host, Stephen Spector. And as usual, Rob Hirschfeld's with me today. Good, uh, good late morning, Rob.
1: Good. Hello, Stephen. I'm, I'm still recovering from re-invent, so got to yeah, unwind. So,
0: so from our listeners, last week was AWS re Invent, and uh, I think I hit maybe eight or nine sessions, and I was exhausted from trying to do that. But sessions are 1,500 people. So It's quite a big event. Uh, it was quite interesting. Uh, we'll do a separate uh, discussion on that, so stay tuned for a podcast coming on that. We're trying to get Cloud Don lined up, who is an analyst, but today we have uh, a new guest, a new company, so I'm really excited about this, someone um, I'm going to learn about. We have Daniel Bartholomew, who is the CTO at Section IO. Daniel, thanks for joining us today.
2: Uh, thank you for having me. It's uh, It's great to be here.
0: So, so Daniel, before we jump in, why don't you give us a quick background a little bit about yourself and about the company and then from there we're gonna start jumping in into edge and it's great because this is Edge and Developers, Rob. I mean this is just perfect for us. right up our alley. Daniel, no go ahead and go
2: and we'll jump in. No. No problem. So yeah, um, yeah, my I'm Dan. Um uh founder and CTO of Section IO. Um uh I as you can tell, um I'm Australian. Um uh, so I started the company with my co-founder back in Sydney, Australia about six years ago. At the time, that was born out of a frustration from trying to run some large-scale websites and purchasing content delivery networks. Uh, we found that uh, the CDNs were very inflexible and tried to tackle problems from an infrastructure and networking perspective but we were trying to achieve application layer outcomes and so we found that they were severely deficient in practices like agile dev and devops so out of that frustration um section io was born we actually have run a few generations of our product, and the first couple of generations did actually look much more like a a content delivery network. Um, But about three years ago, we commenced building uh, the current generation of our platform. And what our platform is today is a global network of federated Kubernetes clusters that we use to uh, form uh, form an edge on the network. Uh, so what we do is we go and talk with hosting providers, and then we, we obtain compute capacity from those hosting providers. We then launch Kubernetes clusters there, and then we install our, um, our uh, edge fabric on top of these Kubernetes clusters. And what that edge fabric does is it allows us to combine these kubernetes clusters together so that they appear as a single unit but we still get all, all of the benefits of you know global distribution but the the reason that we uh, headed down that kubernetes path is because we didn't want to follow the old CDN paradigm of choosing or hard-coding ourselves into a specific technology. Uh, for example, we didn't want to hard-code varnish into our platform as a caching CDN or hard-code mod security into our platform as a web application firewall. What we wanted to do was to build an edge fabric that allowed uh, allow people to bring their own workload, and that, that's what we have in market today and uh, it's selling quite well. And now what that means is our Edge fabric uh, actually can be installed in many, many hosting locations. And then we can run whatever workloads we um, uh, we permit onto that platform. So common things that people actually use in our platform are caching solutions like Varnish. People come to us and say, hey, I've got a performance or a capacity issue. Um, I'm looking for a global distribution of Varnish. The the CDNs aren't cutting it for me because I want to do more advanced application logic. I really need to get that into the full development lifecycle. It really needs to be full stack. The uh, the current CDN players, because they operate in their own uh, their own fixed networks they're not actually able to bring their development experience right down to the developer's laptop.
1: There's a couple of things that we had talked about, and I'm, I'm interested. You know, what you're describing is very much CDN-focused, which is where I think Edge has been living for a long time. You had said that you hadn't thought about it as Edge or you hadn't defined it as Edge earlier. What was that journey like?
2: The kind of nomenclature of Edge is evolving, and even today, Edge means different things to different people. Uh, when we started building this product, we were trying to—we were going to market with terms like edge-edge uh, uh, edge delivery grid um, and or um, grid computing kind of principles—and um, we found that uh, the the leap that people needed to make to say I want to replace my CDM with this technology was too great. So we go and talk to customers and say, "Hey, look, this is a uh, this is a uh, this is a distributed computing platform," and they'd say, "That sounds really awesome, but I still need a CDN. So I'm going to go and buy <laughs> right. a CDN." And we're, and we're like, "No, no, no. CDN is an is probably the first and oldest implementation of what we define the edge as, but it's mm-hmm. just one application of that." Um, and that, and so. that
1: makes sense because because CDN is really where where we first get into our latency constrained fast turnaround right. So you need you you actually need to distribute, interact with users in a in a much faster place than a centralized location. Um, yeah. And, yeah. and I don't I think it would be a mistake to assume that CDN is not a key component. Right. We we know storage is going to be vital in in edge infrastructures. But it sounds like you've added something important, which is this developer experience. How do you how do you know? Can you, I have two sort of questions. I think they're related. How you know how do developers interact with the the fabric you've built, and then how do you know where their code should be running?
2: Yeah, so there's a couple of couple of good points there. There's uh, development workflow and uh, and scheduling. On the development workflow, uh, what we actually do is. Everything, everything a developer does on our platform is stored in a Git repository. When, when a developer interacts with our product, they log into our management console and they clone a Git repository down onto their local PC. Now, what we do then is uh, part of the Kubernetes project, uh, there's a virtual machine called uh, Minikube, which basically runs a, a single virtual machine that represents a Kubernetes cluster. Developers run this virtual machine on their laptop alongside their PHP code and their MySQL code. So they actually get the the full execution environment. And then they use their favorite um, coding tools to modify the configuration of, of their edge logic. And then every time they make a change, they can execute that code in the local virtual machine. What that means is... The developer gets to work in isolation. So it's essentially kind of a, a risk free sandbox where they can you know, work even more. Advanced. When, um, when they're ready to promote that work, then they just go through a regular um, Git workflow where they would c- commit it to the repository, push it to master, push it to different environments, and things like that.
1: Right. And now, this, at, that, at that point, Section IO would, would pick up whatever there. You have a template that says run this application and then globally distribute it. How does that is, yeah, is that's that... exactly right. So when, okay. yeah.
2: so when, they, when they push their um, their edge logic or edge code into our central uh, Git, uh, Git servers, then a whole bunch of triggers fire that are backed by that Git service. <clears throat> and that actually reaches out through a messaging framework that goes and detects all the nodes where that code should be running then actually uh, triggers updates to actually run in the edge locations. So what, what we see is when somebody does that git commit, their code is live and running within about 30 seconds globally.
1: Wow, that's impressive. And, and how, do they, how do you know where to put that code? Is it just put everywhere and then if it's needed, it's run? Or is there an algorithm that helps you conserve resources?
2: This is probably the biggest uh, challenge in edge computing today is the scheduling. At the moment, our platform offers what I term like static scheduling, so we actually determine that, or our engineering group puts together different profiles for applications, and then we we allocate um, different workloads to different profiles. So so we have, uh, you know, a a, uh, northern hemisphere-centric profile a southern hemisphere centric profile or ocean profile or a global profile and we actually do that. Um, so. So that's what yes. I call static scheduling.
1: What but what type of code would a developer write in these systems that would be different than you know I need a, I need you know I, here's my image cache it what what type of applications do you see people using in, in the development environments?
2: Web performance optimization is uh, is one of the most common ones. For web performance optimization, Look, like if we take an e-commerce website, normally these websites are just littered with third-party JavaScript and uh, problems in the HTML construction. Um, so mm-hmm. what we see is a lot of web performance optimization where uh, people are rewriting their HTML content at the edge because... It's actually uh, the dev lifecycle is often easier to rewrite content at the edge um, than it is to actually generate content at the origin, which is, which is uh, quite a funny thing to see. So we see plenty so awesome. of web, web optimization, so <clears throat> things like image optimizers and things like that, which are table stakes for a lot of um, uh, CDNs. Uh, so we see a lot of that behavior. What we're starting to see um, a, a lot more is aggregation at the ed- at the edge. So uh, for, for web analytics uh, businesses, uh, we're starting to see that they want to aggregate um, the analytics data from thousands of browsers at the edge and then feedback aggregates back to their origin so that instead of their origin needing to scale to a point where they can handle all of the beacons coming in from their web analytics, they're actually able to scale their origin down drastically because all the aggregation is being done at Edge.
1: Do you have a storage component? So I'd actually be able to create a sort of a self-aware infrastructure that would then aggregate. So you're saying aggregation, you're going to collect data, Mm -hmm. you're going to forward Mm -hmm. data that's pertinent, you're going to keep data, that um is is necessary but not doesn't have to be centralized um so then storage and locality have to be components in these in these application platforms is that a fair yeah is that right
2: yeah yeah that's right so so we kind of see a few types of workload um in there Uh, so we see we see http requests like a traditional cdn workload um Mm -hmm. which are essentially blocking requests um, so my browser makes a request to the edge and the edge has to wait to, for a cache to respond or an origin to respond and the browser is sitting there waiting. Um, so that's that kind of traditional reverse proxy workload. But what we also see see emerging and, and parts of our framework are uh, that in the edge there's this non-transactional workload, um, which is essentially serverless functions that are triggered based on properties of the requests that run asynchronously. And a good example is that web analytics uh, system. So when, when a beacon comes in, a, a secondary process fires and says, hey, record this. Um, we, these asynchronous things are either triggered by other requests or they're triggered by cron jobs. So in that web analytics um, uh, scenario, we see all, all the browsers sending in those beacons. Uh, then they're getting persisted into storage in the edge. And then a basically a cron job is uh, running in the edge that says, hey, perform this aggregation task. Maybe something as simple as just count them or calculate the average or calculate, um, uh, you know, percentiles and then submit those aggregates back to the origin on a clock. So, so there's a few parts there. There's the, the web server part. There's a, there's a serverless function part. And then there's a cron part and a storage.
0: So, Daniel, I wanted to ask about uh, Edge Congress. Uh, you had reached out to Rob and I after we had our Edge Congress um, podcast. And for those of you who haven't heard it, you can go back. And I think Rob and I sometimes we get to, Rob, What's the right word. It's not harsh. We're just poking too much fun.
1: I'm not sure. (laughs) Snarky is the word you're looking for. (laughs) Snarky
0: is the right word. Uh, Daniel, let's take a few minutes to talk about your thoughts of uh, that event and and what you're seeing with Edge.
2: Yeah, sure. Edge Congress in Austin and recently attended um, IFX, which is another Edge-focused conference Uh, Probably the biggest takeaway for me from Edge Congress was uh, at one point someone conducted a survey of the audience. Just raise your hand in the air. Who here is from data center? That was about half the room. And then who here is from telco? And that was another half of the room. And then the third question was who, who's talk, who here is representing uh, software developers? And um, there was only, there was only a few. About three or four people at that conference who are actually representing the software developers. What I'm seeing in the development of this edge industry at the moment is it there. There are a lot of players who have big networks and, and intense data center skill that are trying to bring edge to life. But there, there is a big disconnect between getting, getting your normal developer to move away from uh, thinking about their code only running in Amazon or Azure or Google and actually getting that code distributed. Um, So I I think we've got a ways to go um, in many respects. Um, Firstly, we need to get these edge, the physical components of these edge built. Um, But then we also need to bring the developers and I'm talking about the entire development community on a journey Away from their two and three tier architectural designs into microservices, and then from microservices into um, distributed computing.
1: You raise a really interesting question because I, 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 there's a, a lot of chicken in the egg here, where mm. you know we're where it looks like you know the hardware vendors are, are ginned up to say we're you know we're ready to sell you a lot of servers, and service providers have a lot of space, but they're, they're they don't know what to build. And I, I don't, you know, Amazon didn't arrive on the scene fully flushed out. It was it was a, a few services that people sort of pieced together. Do we have to wait until, you know, AT&T or Verizon or Ericsson says, here is the platform and, you know, there's trumpets and then developers start using it? Is, is that what we have to wait for?
2: No, I I completely agree. There's a chicken and egg thing going on here. Um, and and like we, we are right at the forefront of this. We, you know, we are trying to obtain this compute capacity, uh, build a platform that can consume it and schedule workloads properly and then um, take it to market. And what we, one of the biggest things we have to do is to explain to developers, um, why they should reallocate this content delivery budget into edge computing and what the advantages are so there is a a lot of education that needs to go on in the software development community about this stuff um and then these fantastic edge vendors that are building the physical infrastructure they need workload um i think that um the uh, Ericsson CEO um, summed it up quite well um, he he was saying we, we've built we've built a physical edge we're partnering with telcos to do it we understand the data center and the telco side of things we want to run applications on this the first application we had to build it ourselves and that was a CDN product now we are looking for who, who's going to bring the next, edge application uh, kind of searching for that.
1: When I listen to what y'all are building, right, you're, you, you've, made, you've made a couple of, of decisions that feel like they are aligned with, with, with what I'm hearing, which is you're saying we're using Kubernetes uh, to an extent, we've containerized our applications, uh, you know, we're counting on people using tools that they're used to using uh, for Kubernetes and containers and, and, and build deploy. You know, that's that's a good delivery mechanism. It, it doesn't sound like we need a you know a new platform altogether for that. Is, or is that aligned with what section I was trying to accomplish?
2: Yeah, that that is what we're trying trying to accomplish. We're we're trying to give give the developers an environment that they're un, that they understand um, that they're comfortable with and integrates into all of their existing development um, infrastructure and ecosystem. Um, but still, uh, basically makes makes the edge look like one thing. When in over the next um, few years, the edge is going to um, uh, rapidly expand into thousands of nodes, and developers don't want to be thinking why why is that node failing and that node's not failing or and things like that. So we kind of need to abstract that away.
1: Like so, you're thinking that there's going to be a managed services platform for it, or is this going to be? You know, I can I can set up five five sites, get some distribution, you know, install a Kubernetes mesh in it and go because teams teams already have segregation of of capabilities. So it might not require, Mm -hmm. you know, somebody's developers don't care about when nodes go down, but operators, you know, it's what you hire operators to do.
2: There will be kind of PaaS systems like Section IO that um, provide higher order services. And at the moment, we uh, we uh, run that in two models. Some people like to buy our platform and run it on their own equipment, and generally that happens uh, because people have compliance boundaries. Now, for example, financial services businesses they go and sanction specific clouds and they only want to run in those environments and then the 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 other market we take to model is where we actually run that as a as a service and then we we look after all the kind of operations of that kind of stuff so i don't think um i I think both is the answer our platform is designed to kind of handle both of those things in the end the the benefits are developers are going to be able to easily understand and deploy to and uh, um, uh, the edge because they get a whole lifecycle experience.
1: And it also makes sense to me that you're starting with a problem that you know you're allowing a developer to come in and fix something. You're not saying, "Oh, we need a whole new IoT application or a, high new, a whole new gateway or a whole new something." It's, "Hey, look, we've got a you know working application. This is this is a way to improve it." This is a way to give you a performance improvement. You know, within within this boundary, it's well defined, and that strikes me as a very attainable way to for people to understand how to jump in. They don't have to start with a new platform, a new application yeah. design.
2: Yeah, a new application design when the you know the industry is not full of reference applications as well. So so that's why we chose this um, strategy to kind of bring our product to life. In a few years, there will be fantastic reference examples, and people will start greenfield projects that are going to be edge first. But at the moment, developers start with the hyperscaler first.
1: No, that makes that makes a lot of sense. One of the because we had we had some guests on the show who are building trying to build edge specific platforms, and you know which are great if you're gonna if, you know if you're going to if you if you're edge first and you know it, and then you've got to build a whole bunch of platform pieces. And that's one approach. The approach you've been taking is much more focused around existing workloads, existing bases. It's one of the things I, I like about what, what you've done is that you have a product servicing customers. They're dragging you into the edge. And it sounds like they're dragging you in the edge in, in pretty contra- in pretty constrained ways right now.
2: Last count, we're, there are about 9,700 containers at Different containers running out on the edge at the moment. That that goes across thousands of websites, and, and the platform actually has reach at the moment into um, hundreds of thousands of websites. Um, so some some of the workloads that we're running are pretty unique. So,
1: um, so that makes a lot of sense. So if I had if I had an edge application I was writing to do AR, and I needed some way to do acceleration for regional use you already have a platform that does it. You already have a delivery model. There might be some stretches that I would have to do to to understand it or to, to you know, it, 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 I might be stretching your model, but it's all, all the pieces and parts are there. So somebody can walk in and actually start doing edge focused work. So it, is, is that a fair assessment? Yeah, I think that is
2: a fair assessment. And that's what we've been working towards. Um, Their centralized workload that doesn't, doesn't make sense to run in a uh, centralized capacity is is what we're what we're interested in moving and we're, we're trying to reduce the friction to lift that workload out out of the origin
1: out to the edge by letting people bring um, bring their own logic that makes sense so what what's going to be something that's going to fit really well in your platform and, and then where is it going to hit sort of the the rough patches of uh you know where where do you want it to go to make it easier
2: um, yeah. Um, so what we see, um, what we see, is a lot of diagnostic information that's supplied by CDNs and um, and hosting businesses is very infrastructure oriented, but. Um, understanding how distributed applications works uh, actually um moves away from a kind of uh, logging model into a tracing model um so the most ex- the thing that excites me the most as a consumer of edge computing is going to be uh, distributed transaction tracing um which um uh, which is Really key to giving a good um, developer lifecycle. So, um, if I'm a developer and I'm writing applications for the edge, and some of the workload is completely handled at the edge, but some of it trickles back into centralized systems, I want to have a complete perspective um, from a user, uh, from an end user's point of view of how did how did this logic flow. The logic running in the edge needs to be instrumented in a in a consistent way with the way that the origin is instrumented. So I'm really excited by Open Census, Open Tracing, um, Jaeger, and some of the other cloud native uh, projects that are popping out at the moment, and it, you'll see them emerging in our product.
1: One of the challenges that I see with with edge infrastructure in general is diagnostics, troubleshooting, and logging because. Once, you know, once that system's out in the wild and running in thousands of locations, um, in a lot of cases without having direct access, figuring out what happened is going to be really hard. Uh, that's, it's already hard. <laughs> it's going to yeah, be harder. It
2: is. It, it is. Um, yeah. It, uh, diagnostics is a um, core, core part of our product. It probably represents about 50% of the engineering effort that goes on in our business it uh, it is a challenging problem to firstly handle scale um where when you're handling billions of http requests a minute you know how do you firstly ingest all of that and then provide it to the user in a way that they can understand The and yes, there are two perspectives as well. Like, is the is the edge hardware and compute platform healthy, and then is my application healthy? Is kind of the the primary focus for where we head our diagnostics. Um, But yeah, it's a very significant challenge.
1: This is a point we've been exploring in other podcasts, and I've been talking to a lot of people about, which is you know where the line gets from these open source projects like Kubernetes or some of the other ones you've mentioned into things that you pay for, right? Licensed technologies and products, and that's a it's a really good example, and I'm, I'm glad we got to it of product and company and support and and these are things that are that are hard and require you know requires somebody to be really thinking about and building infrastructures around and they're not things that are going to show up casually um you know i like that you're saying you know it's 50% of our development effort is building the usability and the the developer experience and the operational experiences behind these platforms because I, I think that that's an important thing for people to think about as we, build, as we build an application, it's not just about building, it's about operating.
2: There's also another kind of player that we haven't actually discussed um, here so far. One of the uh, common use cases of our platform is obtaining access to technology that's been written by other vendors. So in our platform today, uh, we have several web application firewall options that people choose from to um, for security modules. So what happens is these security specialists build web application firewalls and then publish them onto our platform, so that they can um, so that they can basically use Section as a distribution system for their for their IP. So then, pardon me, then our customers come and say, Hey, look, I need a web application firewall. And we, we don't say we are the best WAF. We say, here are the WAF options that are available. And then they, they, they might then go and purchase one of these WAFs and run it inside, uh, inside our ecosystem. But then going back to the diagnostics point, um, that we we're talking about as a vendor of a web application firewall technology. I, I want to be able to ask the edge out of all the customers consuming my technology which one uh, how many of them are there so that I can do billing and you know scaling but if I if I've got a bug in my web application firewall how do I request permission from a customer to go into their docker container and do some diagnostics so th- this that's is a,
1: that's a significant point. This is a... this, this is this is the complexity of building these these infrastructures. Now, that's mm-hmm. hard. You know, we're at a point where we're while I'd love to keep digging on technical details, we do need to wrap it up. How how do people get in touch with you? Are there shows you're going to? What's what's the next steps for a listener?
2: Um, there there will be, but um, yeah, you can reach out to us. You can actually sign up online on our product. Obviously, dub 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 section io. Um, I'll be at KubeCon next week. Um, so you, you could shoot me an email or try and try and hit me on Twitter and um, I'll be happy to talk to anybody about
0: it. If you hear this and you're going to KubeCon, reach out to Daniel. I think the technology is interesting and Daniel, I appreciate you joining us. To our listeners, uh, this is a great example of uh, you know someone contacting us after an event from one of our podcasts and uh, we, I think we've gotten in touch pretty quickly and set this up so we're always looking for uh, new guests to join us with new perspectives. You know, happy to talk about uh, technology. And, Daniel, um, let's stay in touch and definitely in a couple of months revisit and uh, see where your company is um, and especially trends you're seeing changing as more and more companies start to actually deploy on edge. We'd like to stay in touch so we know so our listeners can hear what you're seeing.
2: Yeah, I'd really enjoy that. And, um, Steve and Rob, thank you very much for putting all this together. It's it's a good service. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Appreciate
2: it.